Chapter Twenty Three, Part Two of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Twenty Three, Part Two Formation of Monte Nuovo, fifteen thirty eight. The Great Pause was also marked by a memorable event in the Phlegraean fields, the sudden formation of a new mountain in 1538, of which we have received authentic accounts from contemporary writers. The height of this mountain, called ever since Monte Nuovo, has been determined by the Italian mineralogist Pini to be 440 English feet above the level of the bay, its base is about eight thousand feet or more than a mile and a half in circumference according to pini the depth of the crater is four hundred twenty one english feet from the summit of the hill so that its bottom is only nineteen feet above the level of the sea the cone is declared by the best authorities to stand partly on the site of the lucrine lake which was nothing more than the crater of a pre-existent volcano and was almost entirely filled during the explosion of 1538. Nothing now remains but a shallow pool, separated from the sea by an elevated beach, raised artificially. Sir William Hamilton has given us two original letters describing this eruption. The first, by Falcone, dated 1538, contains the following passages. Quote, it is now two years since there have been frequent earthquakes at Puzzuoli, Naples, and the neighboring parts. On the day and in the night before the eruption of Monte Nuovo, above twenty shocks, great and small, were felt. The eruption began on the 29th of September, 1538. It was on a Sunday, about one o'clock in the night, when flames of fire were seen between the hot baths and Tripergola. In a short time, the fire increased to such a degree that it burst open the earth in this place and threw up so great a quantity of ashes and pumice stones mixed with water as covered the whole country. The next morning, after the formation of Monte Nuovo, the poor inhabitants of Puzzuoli quitted their habitations in terror, covered with the muddy and black shower which continued the whole day in that country, flying from death, but with death painted in their countenances, some with their children in their arms, some with sacks full of their goods, others leading an ass loaded with their frightened family towards Naples, others carrying quantities of birds of various sorts that had fallen dead at the beginning of the eruption, others again with fish which they had found, and which were to be met with in plenty on the shore, the sea having left them dry for a considerable time. I accompanied Signor Moramaldo to behold the wonderful effects of the eruption. The sea had retired on the side of Baye, abandoning a considerable tract, and the shore appeared almost entirely dry from the quantity of ashes and broken pumice stones thrown up by the eruption. I saw two springs in the newly discovered ruins, one before the house that was the queen's of hot and salt water etc End quote. so far falconi 
The other account is by Pietro Giacomo di Toledo, which begins thus. Quote, it is now two years since this province of Campania has been afflicted with earthquakes, the country about Puzzuoli much more so than any other parts. But the 27th and the 28th of the month of September last, the earthquakes did not cease day or night in the town of Puzzuoli. That plain which lies between Lake Avernus, the Monte Barbaro, and the sea was raised a little, and many cracks were made in it, from some of which issued water. At the same time, the sea, immediately joining the plain, dried up about two hundred paces, so that the fish were left on the sand a prey to the inhabitants of Puzzuoli. At last, on the twenty-ninth of the same month, about two o'clock in the night, the earth opened near the lake, and discovered a horrid mouth, from which were vomited furiously, smoke, fire, stones and mud, composed of ashes, making at the time of its opening a noise like the loudest thunder. The stones which followed were by the flames converted to pumice, and some of these were larger than an ox. The stones went about as high as a crossbow can carry, and then fell down, sometimes on the edge, and sometimes into the mouth itself. The mud was of the color of ashes, and at first very liquid, then by degrees less so, and in such quantities, that in less than twelve hours, with the help of the above-mentioned stones, a mountain was raised of one thousand paces in height. Not only Puzzuoli and the neighboring country was full of this mud, but the city of Naples also, so that many of its palaces were defaced by it. Now this eruption lasted two nights and two days without intermission, though, it is true, not always with the same force. The third day the eruption ceased, and I went up with many people to the top of the new hill, and saw down into its mouth, which was a round cavity about a quarter of a mile in circumference, in the middle of which the stones which had fallen were boiling up, just as a cauldron of water boils on the fire. The fourth day it began to throw up again, and the seventh much more, but still with less violence than the first night. At this time many persons who were on the hill were knocked down by the stones and killed, or smothered with the smoke. In the day the smoke still continues, and you often see fire in the midst of it in the night-time. It will be seen that both these accounts, written immediately after the birth of Monte Nuovo, agree in stating that the sea retired, and one mentions that its bottom was upraised, but they attribute the origin of the new hill exclusively to the jets of mud, showers of scoriae, and large fragments of rock cast out from a central orifice for several days and nights. Baron von Buch, however, in his excellent work on the Canary Islands and volcanic phenomena in general, has declared his opinion that the cone and crater of Monte Nuovo were formed not in the manner above described, but by the upheaval of solid beds of white tuff, which were previously horizontal, but which were pushed up in 1538, so as to dip away in all directions from the center, with the same inclination as the sloping surface of the cone itself. It is an error, 
he says, to imagine that this hill was formed by eruption or by the ejection of pumice, scoriae, and other incoherent matter, for the solid beds of upraised tuff are visible all round the crater, and it is merely the superficial covering of the cone which is made up of ejected scoriae. In confirmation of this view, Monsieur de Frenoy has cited a passage from the works of Porzio, a celebrated physician of that period, to prove that in 1538 the ground where Monte Nuovo stands was pushed up in the form of a great bubble or blister, which, on bursting, gave origin to the present deep crater. Porzio says, quote, that after two days and nights of violent earthquakes, the sea retired for nearly two hundred yards, so that the inhabitants could collect great numbers of fish on this part of the shore, and see some springs of fresh water which rose up there. At length, on the third day of the calends of October, September 29, they saw a large tract of ground intervening between the foot of Monte Barbaro and part of the sea, near the Lake Avernus, rise and suddenly assume the form of an incipient hill. And at two o'clock at night, this heap of earth, opening, as it were, its mouth, vomited with a loud noise, flames, pumice stones, and ashes. End quote. So late as the year 1846, a fourth manuscript, written immediately after the eruption, was discovered and published in Germany. It was written in 1538 by Francesco del Nero, who mentions the drying up of the bed of the sea near Puzzuoli, which enabled the inhabitants of the town to carry off loads of fish. About eight o'clock in the morning of the 29th September, the earth sunk down about 14 feet in that place where the volcanic orifice now appears, and there issued forth a small stream of water, at first cold and afterwards tepid. At noon on the same day, the earth began to swell up in the same spot where it had sunk down 14 feet, so as to form a hill. About this time, fire issued forth and gave rise to the great gulf, quote, with such a force, noise and shining light, that I, who was standing in my garden, was seized with terror. Forty minutes afterwards, although unwell, I got upon a neighboring height from which I saw all that took place, and by my troth it was a splendid fire that threw up for a long time much earth and many stones, which fell back again all round the gulf in a semicircle of from one to three bowshots in diameter, and, filling up part of the sea, formed a hill nearly of the height of Monte Morello. Masses of earth and stones as large as an ox were shot up from the fiery gulf into the air, to a height which I estimate at a mile and a half. When they descended, some were dry, others in a soft, muddy state. End quote. He concludes by alluding again to the sinking of the ground and the elevation of it which followed, and says that to him it was inconceivable how such a mass of stones and ashes could have been poured forth from the gulf. He also refers to the account which Porzio was to draw up for the viceroy. On comparing these four accounts, recorded by eyewitnesses, there appears to be no real discrepancy between them. 
it seems clear that the ground first sunk down fourteen feet on the site of the future volcano and after having subsided it was again propelled upwards by the lava mingled with steam and gases which were about to burst forth jets of red-hot lava fragments of fractured rock and occasionally mud composed of a mixture of pumice tuff and sea-water were hurled into the air some of the blocks of stone were very large leading us to infer that the ground which sank and rose again was much shattered and torn to pieces by the elastic vapors the whole hill was not formed at once but by an intermittent action extending over a week or more it seems that the chasm opened between tripergola and the baths in its suburbs and that the ejected materials fell and buried that small town a considerable part however of the hill was formed in less than twenty-four hours and in the same manner as on a smaller scale the mud cones of the air volcanoes are produced with a cavity in the middle there is no difficulty in conceiving that the pumice's mud if so thrown out may have set into a kind of stone on drying just as some cements composed of volcanic ashes are known to consolidate with facility i am informed that baron von buch discovered some marine shells of existing species such as occur fossil in the tuff of the neighborhood in beds exposed low down in the walls of the crater of monte nuovo these may have been ejected in the mud mixed with sea-water which was cast out of the boiling gulf or as signor arcangelo scacci has suggested they may have been derived from the older tuff which contains marine shells of recent species the same observer remarks that porzio's account upon the whole corroborates the doctrine of the cone having been formed by eruption in proof of which he cites the following passage quote, but what was truly astonishing a hill of pumice stones and ashes was heaped up round the gulf to the height of a mile in a single night End quote. signor scacci also adds that the ancient temple of apollo now at the foot of monte nuovo and the walls of which still retain their perfect perpendicularity could not possibly have maintained that position had the cone of monte nuovo really been the result of upheaval tripergola was much frequented as a watering-place and contained a hospital for those who resorted there for the benefit of the thermal springs and it appears that there were no fewer than three inns in the principal street had porzio stated that any of these buildings or the ruins of them were seen by himself or others raised up above the plain a short time before the first eruption so as to stand on the summit or slope of a newly raised hillock we might have been compelled by so circumstantial a narrative to adopt monsieur de Freinoy's interpretation but in the absence of such evidence we must appeal to the crater itself where we behold a section of the whole mountain without being able to detect any original nucleus of upheaved rock distinct from the rest on the contrary the whole mass is similar throughout in composition and the cone very symmetrical in form nor are there any clefts such as might be looked for as the effect of the sudden upthrow of stony masses m c provost has well remarked 
that if beds of solid and non-elastic materials had yielded to a violent pressure directed from below upward we should find not simply a deep empty cavity but an irregular opening where many rents converged and these rents would be now seen breaking through the walls of the crater widening as they approach the centre not a single fissure of this kind is observable in the interior of monte nuovo where the walls of the crater are continuous and entire nor are there any dikes implying that rents had existed which were afterwards filled with lava or other matter it has moreover been often urged by von buch de beaumont and others who ascribe the conical form of volcanoes chiefly to upheaval from below that in such mountains there are a great number of deep rents and ravines which diverge on all sides like the spokes of a wheel from near the central axis to the circumference or base of the cone as in the case of palma cantal and tenerife yet the entire absence of such divergent fissures or ravines in such cases as monte nuovo somma or etna is passed by unnoticed and appears to have raised in their minds no objection to their favorite theory it is indeed admitted by m de Freinoy that there are some facts which it is very difficult to reconcile with his own view of portio's record thus for example there are certain roman monuments at the base of monte nuovo and on the borders of lake avernus such as the temples of apollo before mentioned and pluto which do not seem to have suffered in the least degree by the supposed upheaval Quote, the walls which still exist have preserved their vertical position and the vaults are in the same state as other monuments on the shores of the bay of baie the long gallery which led to the sibyl's cave on the other side of lake avernus has in like manner escaped injury the roof of the gallery remaining perfectly horizontal the only change being that the soil of the chamber in which the sibyl gave out her oracles is now covered by a few inches of water which merely indicates a slight alteration in the level of lake avernus on the supposition then that pre-existing beds of pumicus tuff were upraised in fifteen thirty eight so as to form monte nuovo it is acknowledged that the perfectly undisturbed state of the contiguous soil on which these ancient monuments stand is very different from what might have been expected mr darwin in his volcanic islands has described several crater-form hills in the galapagos archipelago as composed of tuff which has evidently flowed like mud and yet on consolidating has preserved an inclination of twenty and even thirty degrees the tuff does not fold in continuous sheets round the hills as would have happened if they had been formed by the upheaval of horizontal layers the author describes the composition of the tuff as very similar to that of monte nuovo and the high angles at which the beds slope both those which have flowed and those which have fallen in the form of ashes entirely removes the difficulty supposed by m de freinoy to exist in regard to the slope of monte nuovo 
where it exceeds an angle of 18 degrees to 20 degrees. Mr. Dana also, in his account of the Sandwich Islands, shows that in the cinder cones of that region, the strata have an original inclination of between 35 degrees and 40 degrees, while in the tufa cones formed near the sea, the beds slope at about an angle of 30 degrees. The same naturalist also observed in the Samoan or Navigator Islands in Polynesia that fragments of fresh coral had been thrown up together with volcanic matter to the height of 200 feet above the level of the sea in cones of tufa. I shall again revert to the doctrine of the origin of volcanic cones by upheaval when speaking of Vesuvius, Etna, and Santorin, and shall now merely add that, in 1538, the whole coast, from Monte Nuovo to beyond Puzzuoli, was upraised to the height of many feet above the bed of the Mediterranean, and has since retained the greater part of the elevation then acquired. The proofs of these remarkable changes of level will be considered at length when the phenomena of the Temple of Serapis are described. Volcanoes of the Phlegraean Fields Immediately adjoining Monte Nuovo is the larger volcanic cone of Monte Barbaro, the Gorus Inanus of Juvenal, an appellation given to it probably from its deep circular crater, which is about a mile in diameter. Large as is this cone, it was probably produced by a single eruption, and it does not, perhaps, exceed in magnitude some of the largest of those formed in Ischia within the historical era. It is composed chiefly of indurated tufa like Monte Nuovo, stratified conformably to its conical surface. This hill was once very celebrated for its wines, and is still covered with vineyards. But when the vine is not in leaf, it has a sterile appearance, and, late in the year, when seen from the beautiful bay of Baie, it often contrasts so strongly in verdure with Monte Nuovo, which is always clothed with arbutus, myrtle, and other wild evergreens, that a stranger might well imagine the cone of older date to be that thrown up in the sixteenth century. There is nothing indeed so calculated to instruct the geologist as the striking manner in which the recent volcanic hills of Ischia, and that now under consideration, blend with the surrounding landscape. Nothing seems wanting or redundant. Every part of the picture is in such perfect harmony with the rest that the whole has the appearance of having been called into existence by a single effort of creative power. Yet, what other result could we have anticipated if nature has ever been governed by the same laws? Each new mountain thrown up, each new tract of land raised or depressed by earthquakes, should be in perfect accordance with those previously formed, if the entire configuration of the surface has been due to a long series of similar disturbances. Were it true that the greater part of the dry land originated simultaneously in its present state, at some era of paroxysmal convulsion, and that additions were afterwards made slowly and successively during a period of comparative repose, then, indeed, there might be reason to expect a strong line of demarcation 
between the signs of the ancient and modern changes but the very continuity of the plan and the perfect identity of the causes are to many a source of deception since by producing a unity of effect they lead them to exaggerate the energy of the agents which operated in the earlier ages in the absence of all historical information they are as unable to separate the dates of the origin of different portions of our continents as the stranger is to determine by their physical features alone the distinct ages of monte nuovo monte barbara astroni and the solfatara the vast scale and violence of the volcanic operations in campania in the olden time has been a theme of declamation and has been contrasted with the comparative state of quiescence of this delightful region in the modern era instead of inferring from analogy that the ancient vesuvius was always at rest when the craters of the phlegraean fields were burning that each cone rose in succession and that many years and often centuries of repose intervened between different eruptions geologists seem to have generally conjectured that the whole group sprung up from the ground at once like the soldiers of cadmus when he sowed the dragon's teeth as well might they endeavour to persuade us that on these phlegraean fields as the poets feigned the giants warred with jove ere yet the puny race of mortals were in being modern eruptions of vesuvius for nearly a century after the birth of monte nuovo vesuvius continued in a state of tranquillity there had been no violent eruption for four hundred ninety two years and it appears that the crater was then exactly in the condition of the present extinct volcano of astroni near naples braccini who visited vesuvius not long before the eruption of sixteen thirty one gives the following interesting description of the interior Quote, the crater was five miles in circumference and about a thousand paces deep its sides were covered with brushwood and at the bottom there was a plain on which cattle grazed in the woody parts wild boars frequently harbored in one part of the plain covered with ashes were three small pools one filled with hot and bitter water another salter than the sea and a third hot but tasteless but at length these forests and grassy plains were consumed being suddenly blown into the air and their ashes scattered to the winds in december sixteen thirty one seven streams of lava poured at once from the crater and overflowed several villages on the flanks and at the foot of the mountain resina partly built over the ancient site of herculaneum was consumed by the fiery torrent great floods of mud were as destructive as the lava itself no uncommon occurrence during these catastrophes for such is the violence of rains produced by the evolutions of aqueous vapor that torrents of water descend the cone and becoming charged with impalpable volcanic dust and rolling along loose ashes acquire sufficient consistency to deserve their ordinary appellation of aqueous lavas 
a brief period of repose ensued which lasted only until the year sixteen sixty six from which time to the present there has been a constant series of eruptions with rarely an interval of rest exceeding ten years during these three centuries no irregular volcanic agency has convulsed other points in this district Breeslock remarked that such irregular convulsions had occurred in the bay of naples in every second century as for example the eruption of the solfatara in the twelfth of the lava of arso in ischia in the fourteenth and of monte nuovo in the sixteenth but the eighteenth has formed an exception to this rule and this seems accounted for by the unprecedented number of eruptions of vesuvius during that period whereas when the new vents opened there had always been as we have seen a long intermittence of activity in the principal volcano end of chapter twenty three part two recording by linda johnson